All right. So last week, Knopf on his way out said, I hope you know you're speaking, Sean. So I figured it out real quick. Um, Bible upside down. I haven't talked here in a long time. I like the chapel. It's smaller. I feel taller for some reason. It's great. And we got like a decent podium. I love it. So um, as I started preparing, I got really excited about way too many things and had a great time in the Word. And it wasn't only until yesterday that I was like, oh, okay, I'll talk about that. Um, and really, it's something I've been dealing with for the longest time. And it's, um, well, it goes like this. Every time you go to church, not every time, but very, very often they, they say like, you know, these are the steps to intimacy. And it, it sounds a lot, it usually starts with, let's get up in the morning, which doesn't even work. I mean, that's where I just like drone on from there. Like I just stop, I just, because I've done so many times the, uh, the jump out of bed with good intentions, only to like pass out on the couch, or even worse, like I'll pass out like on the floor in front of the couch, or like in front of my bed, because I refuse to like get back into bed, but... I'm just not, I'm not mourning. And, and I, want, I want so badly um, to know everything Jesus has for me. I want to know his word. I want to spend time in prayer. I want to do all the things that I know um, will get me there. But it's just not, it's not gelling. And we hear a lot of the times like that um, God is our husband, which sounds weird, but he uses this husband imagery to teach us about all sorts of amazing things. And we, he says, he is the, we are the bride of Christ. And he goes on to say, the husband is your maker in Isaiah 54. And so we, we, we think about these things and then the pastors usually draw the picture of like, you know, you, don't, you spend only five minutes with your wife, like how are you good Christians? And I always feel like, crap, I do that. But even worse is when you wake up in the morning and you're like, all right, here's how it's gonna happen, husband. Um, we're gonna spend... 20 minutes together, but in that 20 minutes, like, it's going to be the worst time of the day for me. Like, I will be asleep, like, almost asleep the whole time. I won't get a single thing out of it. Um, when I do, and I'm going to give some structure to it, so I, I know that I'm supposed to do a lot of reading. So the first, like, five minutes of our time together, uh, husband, is I'm going to sit there and I'm going to um, tell you how good you are. But I don't want to hear anything from you. I just want to say how good you are. And then I'm going to read a book about who you are. Um, and when I've done that for like 10 minutes, I'm going to sit silently and think about who you are, um, maybe write in a journal, and then you can talk to me. But at that point in our time together, I'm going to be so excited about all that's going to happen in the day that I'm not going to really listen to anything you have to say. And, and I do that like every week, and it's like, nice. And, and, and yet, like, I don't know, the church, we, we still think like, that's the way to go, like. Bible reading and prayer and like quiet times in the morning and if you don't do that, you're a bad Christian. And uh, it just sounds ridiculous because of how unique God has made us. We all have um, different strengths, different weaknesses. We, everybody can like agree with that fact. Like you are all very, very unique. I mean, if you look at the Bible, Jacob wrestled with God. Saul was blinded before Jesus ever talked to him. Moses spoke face to face. Job conversed with God on like a, a ridiculous level. I love this. At one point, God says, Job 38, now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. That's not, the kind of, that's not how God talks to me. But he, talks, he, he, he interacts with his people in very, very different ways. With the Israelites, he did the whole cloud by day, um, fire by night. It was amazing stuff. I've never seen a cloud of fire. But he's, 
he's not, he doesn't lock himself into like one way of communication. And yet we like, we come to him with the same, like the same way every week. And, um, and, and for me, like, um, I'll tell you in a minute why, but like we have, my family is very different in the way that they interact with God. And I try to be like my dad or I'll try and be like my mom in the way they interact. And it, it never works for me. Um, so the, I, I started thinking about kind of, I, you know, Naf said, let's, let's talk about something. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go into my like folder of all the things God has taught me in the last like five months and hopefully like something will fit and you know, nothing did. Um, so then I went and I was like, all right, well, Naf um, in his visionary visionness always casts like a vision for like, you know, what he feels, where he feels Epic Life is going. And so 2011 was new wineskins. How many times we hear the guy talk about wineskins? Like every week. It was great. And um, so in 2012, he got really, really excited about Jesus encounters. And I absolutely love um, what he was talking about. He, we went through the road, road to Emmaus and how um, Jesus showed up and started walking with the disciples. And it wasn't until they invited him in um, that they saw some amazing things. And then um, he talked about the fact that at one point, um, Jesus was so comfortable that he, like, he reclined with them. And so he, Naf was talking for a little while about how powerful it is to create an atmosphere where Jesus can just recline and rest. And, um, and so I, I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about kind of like individualized encounters. This gum is really, really juicy. Um, so, wait, no, sorry, um, and, and we, the corporate encounters are great, but if your quiet times or your times with Jesus on a weekly basis are, are weak or, or just like they're inconsistent or whatnot, we don't have anything, like our corporate encounters are going to only go so far, um, and so I started thinking about the way that the, how do I interact with God? Um, because maybe if I tell them about how I interact with God, they'll get the, you know, on the right page. But no, I still like, cannot figure out like, fully how God interacts with me. He, it's different every week. Um, but I remember so many times when I'm reading through the Word, and he'll specifically give a promise to something I've been really worrying about, or really, like, I don't know, he just describes himself to me. Um, and, and, you know, most people read Psalms and they're like, this is beautiful. I wish I wrote this way or I wish I prayed this way. Um, but even when, uh, like, I love Isaiah 54. Um, I just love the verbiage he uses. It's very, like, the title of this message is Romanticizing the Romantic. And quite often we, like, we think, like, God is love. We, we, it says it in the Bible literally. Um, but... Like, for whatever reason, movies or whatnot, romanticism is like rose petals leading towards a bed and like sexual activity. Or like just awkward, like, you know, off and on love, and then they do one big thing and suddenly they're like romantic men. Like, romanticism has been ruined, but romance is nothing. Actually, it's future in my notes. Um, it's defined as. Characterized by, preoccupied with love, and by the idealizing of love or one's beloved. How many times does Jesus call us his beloved? Like, constantly in the Bible. Or displaying or expressing love and strong affection. Like, he is constantly displaying love and strong affection. Isaiah 54 is right after um, the book, the chapter in Isaiah where he's talking about what Jesus is going to do. 
And it's cool because the revelation of God's love always comes after Jesus. Um, and so he says, do not fear, um, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore, for your maker is your husband. But what I love is, if you go down to verse 7, he says, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercy I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face but for, from you for a moment, but I will, establish, or I will with everlasting kindness... I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as, as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I, would, I have sworn that I will not be angry with you nor depart from you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall never depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace, says the Lord who has mercy on you. He's constantly, despite, and this is, this is amidst ama just terrible things the Israelites are doing. And, and yet he, he always says, I, I'm going to love you. I'm going to show you all the things. It's promise after promise after promise. My absolute, I'm just like, I started thinking about like, what are verses that God has just displayed his love so amazingly? And, and I can't get past Isaiah 49:15. He says, can a nursing, can a woman forget her nursing child? Can a woman forget the babe of her youth? And not have compassion on the son of her womb. Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you upon the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. I mean, this is the God of the universe who created the, the, the mountains and the oceans with his bare hands. And he says, you know, a, a pregnant woman might in some possible way forget her child, and yet I will never forget you. I have inscribed you upon the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. It's, there's just, if, you, if we never got you know, the New Testament, all that Jesus did and all the amazing promises and, and First John when he says, God is love. There's still, this is still a book of love and hope and peace and joy. And I don't know, so I love reading the word, but what I really love is when the word, like when Jesus takes something that's like, and he just says, this is specifically for you. So I was, you know, I've, I've talked about this a few times, but I was, um, I was engaged, I was really excited, remember this? And she broke up with me, and it was like a six-year relationship, I was devastated. Um, and so I like, you know, I opened my Bible, and I was like, I, I don't know, and I'm like yelling at God, I'm crying in my Bible, it's gross, it's drippy. And, and then I just say, you gotta tell me something. And, and I turn to Isaiah 62, and it says, you will no longer be termed forsaken, nor your land barren, but I will call you my delight is in her, and you shall be married for the Lord's delights in you. And it's just like this joy and peace sprung up, and I knew that like it was gonna be okay. And it made no sense. Like people read that all the time, and they're like, oh yeah, he's just talking about the whole husband-wife thing again. But like that was specific to me. I needed that. That was like that was butter, that was gold. It was amazing. But my dad, the cool thing is my dad. Um, stayed in contact with Liz when she went to Australia. So they still talk and he still prays for her. And so every once in a while he kind of like asked her, like, what are you learning? And apparently as soon as she had gotten to Australia, it said, um, she, God said, go read Hosea 2. Um, and he says, therefore I will allure, you, allure her and will bring her out of the wilderness. I will speak comfort to her. And that shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me master. 
I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth to you, betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And it's like we we both. I mean, she was not happy about the situation either, and yet in our in our split up, like. God just like came up behind both of us and was just like, I love you. This is my hope. This is my peace. I have all of these for you. And it's like, how can you not think that God is a a romantic God in the way that he just like, the description there, betrothed. I mean, no one says betrothed anymore. It's great. (laughs) But, and and this is the way I love, I love the way that God's word written thousands of years ago was, is so, thousands? A while ago. Um, (laughs) Because it's so pertinent. Um, I was born, and, uh, and, and um, my grandpa said, and I'm my dad's firstborn son, he said, this, and he said he was you know, admiring his kid, and I, had the, I looked kind of funny, and I had like a cap on, and I was slightly purple because I had the umbilical cord around my neck. And, uh, and, and my dad's still like swooning. He's like loving this little kid. And my grandpa takes the kid and says, you know, this is, and my dad says something to the effect of like, you know, this is my, this is my, um, and this is mine to take care of for the next 18 years. And my grandpa says, no, 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 this is yours to take care of for the rest of your life. And it hit my dad like a, like a ton of bricks. Like, like man, like the weight of, of what being a father was. Um, and he was like almost overcome. And he goes home and his reading, like he reads very specifically. So he's reading for the day it was Isaiah 44. And it says, um, thus says the Lord who made you. And formed you with the womb, and who who will help you? Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, you Jeshua, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, on floods on the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up among the the grass, like willows among the water water courses. One will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call him by the name of Jacob, and another will rate, I am the Lord's. And it was like, that peace hit my dad, and he was like, okay, like I don't need to worry anymore, like there was other promises about like your children will be taught by me. And, and it's just like when, when, we, when we get a revelation of, of some word that God has for us, it's just there's peace and just, you just settle. And, and so that's why I'm trying to get to the fact that God's romantic. Like he, he just like goes way above and beyond. I mean, he, he's everyone everywhere is going through all sorts of chaos and in the time that he's saying this to my dad he's revealing himself somewhere else and he's doing some miracle somewhere else and all over the world he's he's telling people look I've gotten you on my hand and it's just like he's upholding all of these things and yet he has the time and the energy to speak to us and so I've spent most of my life trying to like do do the right thing like read my bible in the morning and pray and like do all these things before like anything else and because of the way I was taught um and lately God's just been describing to me like just enjoy who I am the romantic is not the Hollywood stuff it's just the small things it's the odd consistencies better than any other any spoken like states of grandeur it's just like the unspoken desire to like be just hang out with someone when someone knows that, like, you know, at the end of the day, all they want to do is just sit next to me, like, I'm good. And, and one of the things that everybody can kind of attest to is romantic is, like, original. It's, it's creative. It's outside the box. It's loving someone, like, out of the depth of who you are. One, one person might do something for somebody, and, and it means the world. And then you do the same thing for somebody else, and you're like, eh. It's because it's very, it's very personalized. <laughs> and so... It, how can we think that like 
we're just supposed to approach God on the same way as everybody else. Like, we can romanticize him. We can, we can, we can uniquely, we can like come to him with an understanding of like, this is how he's made me to be. Some people, they love worship and that's how they're gonna, they're gonna um, approach God. Other people, man, they, they can just read all day and so they're gonna read the word all the time. Other people do weird things. I mean, um, Aaron Hernley, God was just like, hey, I wanna go running. And he, it's just a weird thing to say, but like, all right. And, and it becomes even like my, uh, my problem with this becomes apparent when you listen to who my parents are. Amazing people. Um, you know, my, my dad, when he, when he first started getting to, like excited about reading the word and God started like building the excitement within him, um, he would, I think it was for like six months, um, if, he, um, if he overslept, the time that he had said, like, okay, I'm going to get up at 8 in the morning, I'm going to read and pray and fast. Like, if he, if he overslept, like, his bed would shake. Like, God shook his bed for, like, six months. Every time he would oversleep, God was like, no, 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 we need, like, I want to hang out. <laughs> how many people has, like, how many of you has God shaken their bed? He, he just, he deals differently with different people. He got laid off, like, shortly after that. Um, and they gave him a year severance. This was back in the day when they, you know, they gave severance. They didn't just, like, you know. Chop you. And, and, and when he got a severance check, God said, how about, like, since you're going to get paid to live, like, to exist, why don't you just read the Bible? Like, just spend some time with me. Like, you don't need to worry about your food, your anything. Just, and he was like, all right. Like, he's, he's not very complicated. Um, and so I think in that year, he read the Bible, like, 22 times. Just, like, through and through and through and through. But God was creating in him, like, a specific bent, a, a way of enjoying him. Um, and then he started getting like frustrated with the fact that like God's no longer shaking his bed, but he's still like tired in the morning. So he started praying like, God, you, you're, you're creating this desire in me. Like how about you just make it so that I don't need as much sleep? And so he went from like, you know us, we, we need like eight, nine hours. He was like, I think at that point he was like seven and a half. He, he like one day was like, all right, four hours, that's all I need. And it was just like, it just changed. Like he now sleeps four hours a day. It's just part of who he is. And it's just because he realized, like, kind of how God is working with him. He just, like, was all right with it. So now, like, fast forward to, like, I'm born and all these things are happening. And he's, he's, he's just connecting with God the way that he is. He does. Um, every day, my entire childhood, he was up at four. And he'd be reading and he'd be praying. Before, like, on Saturday, I'd get up at, like, 11, watch cartoons, hang out. We'll go play sports. And he's like, I've already been up for all day. Like, I don't care what we do now. Like, so I, I, like, heard him all the time doing this stuff. And if he's fasting, he feels like, well, I need to get up, like, more. I got to do something more. So he gets up at three. Like, he'll, he'll knock on my mom's back and be like, hey, want to go to the gym? And she's like, what time is it? He's like, two. <laughs> and she's like, shut up. What are you doing? Like, I'm going to go to And so, like, my mom is, like, the opposite. She's human. Like, she goes to sleep. <laughs> she goes to sleep and she'll wake up at, like, you know, eight, nine normal hours. She doesn't do the whole, like, I've got to, like, before I do anything, I've got to get in the Word. But, man, she, like, journals, like, freaking crazy. She's got, like, four, she always has, like, two journals open. One of them is just, like, packed with stuff. The other one's, like, you know, promises she's hearing for her kids. Or, like, it's just a completely different take. My dad can lecture for hours about, like, you know, why he loves Isaiah 49. But, like, my mom is just, like, oh, look at all the things that God's promised to my children. And it's just, like, a completely different view, 
She'll wake, I mean, she, for like a long time, she was really excited because every time she woke up, she woke up with some different uh, worship song in her heart. Like she, she felt like she was about going to sing like something. And, and I was like, I, was, I started asking that. That sounds dope. I wake up like just use, like the worst. <laughs> but if we take a like really religious bent on things, then we say like dad wins. Like he's up, he's got his bow reading done, he's going to just pray. Like he checked every box before my mom even like breathe like, you know, or got awake. <laughs> but one of the things I want to get to is that um, that's a lie. Like, God doesn't come. I love the fact that God doesn't compare. Like, God doesn't, doesn't like, he, he's not going to wake up and say, like, Chris, you didn't do, like, all that Sean did. Uh, like, come on, let's earn some point, God points. Like, no, he's just like, all right, let's, let's do something. Let's talk. Let's do, he, like, he just loves spending time with us. He wants to reveal, show himself to us, and his, the way that he reveals is personable. It's, it's distinct. It, it, he's made and formed and fashioned you in such a way that you can take in a specific part of God. My dad can spend two hours on one verse and for like three weeks, like, be excited about it. That's not how God created everyone. But that, hasn't, that, has, that does not in any way mean that, you know, you're less. So that's one lie I want to break off is that God compares his children or is in any way ranks them. But the other one I want to break off is this, this, it's all or nothing. Like, we wake up in the morning. Like, I did this for all of college in the last two years, like, where I wake up and I'm like, I go to bed and I have a plan for my day. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get up at 8. and I'm, No, I'm going to get up at 5, go to the gym, read my Bible for an hour, and, and like, I'll wake up at, like, 8 and have done none of those things. And I'm like, well, I'll do better tomorrow. And I don't read and I don't, like, spend any time with I'm just, I'm trying to, like, fit myself into the box of, of who God made my dad to be. Like, he very, very specifically fashioned him to, to enjoy himself the way that he did. And beyond the idea that he's created us uniquely, he's, we're all at varying stages of, of growth. Like, some of us have been Christians for, like, months, and, and yet you're expected to, like, spend two hours a day in the morning in, in your Bible? Like, that sounds like religion. That sounds sapping. That sounds tiring. That sounds like it's going to kill you off. The more we get to, like, God will, will form those things in you. I am by no means saying the Bible is not worth reading. I love and delight in the Word. But there are some days when I don't want to read it, and I'm, I'm not going to, like, beat myself up over it. I'm going to worship. I'm going to find some other way to connect with God. He reels me in, and every one step I take towards him, he comes tearing with like seven steps. He wants, he wants to like, so wants to connect. So um, I was, I've, I've been hanging out with Charity in, in Christ Life, one of the classes we do, um, and so she's been sharing kind of her testimony on a weekly basis, and, and we've all just kind of been talking through some stuff, and so I remember that her, her testimony is like perfectly this. Um, so if you guys will take the time and some Clapping, standing, doing something. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah, this like goes along right with what Sean is talking about tonight. Um, okay. So I grew up as a pastor's daughter in a very religious and legalistic church. With my dad as a pastor, our family was always under scrutiny, and we learned very quickly at a young age to act the part and put on a great performance so that mom and dad always looked good. If knowledge and theology made you close to God, we would have been his best friends. I want to give you just a small glimpse of the things that were required of us. 
um, we started catechism at three years old. And by four years, years old, I knew the safe answer to almost any question had to do with God, sin, or obey. By eight, we were reading through the Bible every year, which meant reading four chapters a day in our personal time. By 10, I was reading authors like C.H. Spurgeon and John Calvin and writing reports for my dad. Our family devotions were two to three hours long every night, and we'd get in trouble if we fell asleep during that time. I started learning Greek in middle school and began translating the book of 1 John by the time I was 12. We also grew up being told from a very early age what our main sins were. For example, they always told me my main sins were pride, selfishness, and stubbornness. So each night during family prayer time, our siblings were all assigned to pray for another sibling, that God would have mercy on them for their sins. I could go on and on, but the point is that it was all about religion and knowledge. There was absolutely no relationship with God. This resulted in me becoming a performance-based people pleaser who was afraid to ever share my opinion because we were told repeatedly children were to be seen and not heard, so I couldn't possibly have anything of value to share. I didn't have any confidence or self-esteem, and this continued into my teenage years, being reinforced over and over again that I was taught that godly women were created to be submissive wives who cooked, cleaned, and had babies. This definitely meant that college was out of the question for me and my sisters, so when I signed up for college classes at 17, it was no surprise that my mom brought my suitcase in, packed me up, and told me I could take care of myself for being such an ungodly example to my younger siblings. Once I was on my own, I wanted nothing to do with religion. I still went to church only because I knew it was the right thing, but there was absolutely no desire to read the Bible or get involved anywhere. It seemed so disrespectful when I heard people talking about God being their friend or God talking to them because I had grown up being taught that God was someone to be feared so he didn't pour his wrath out on you. I was intrigued by what I saw when I came to Capitol because it didn't seem like it was hard work like I was taught growing up. A few years passed of me existing just as a lukewarm Christian and then God sent a mentor into my life, and I started to learn how much Holy Spirit wanted me to step into my identity as a daughter. It was so foreign to me in the beginning, but then Holy Spirit started showing himself to me in different ways, ways that were personal to me. I didn't have to read the Bible for a certain amount of time or sing three songs before he showed up. I was used to having formulas for God's approval, but finally realized none of them had ever worked. After growing up with religion shoved down my throat, it was really hard for me at times to just sit down and read the Bible or even listen to like pastors break out verses, break out the Bible verse by verse. Over the last three years, Holy Spirit's taken me on a journey, showing me how to have a new appreciation for it. And um, because it's something that it's, is done out of intimacy rather than out of rules. The more I step into my identity as a daughter, the more freedom I have, and the more intimate my relationship becomes with him. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. And you don't even know the half of it. Like, you know, I'm in her group, and like, holy crap, I would have killed my parents. Like, li like the level of, like, just... It was such a horrendously religious, like almost slave mentality. And I mean, 
she said to me like one week, and it wasn't harsh at all. She was like, I just like when you preach straight out of the word, like I just I can't stand it. Like this is, and, and I, it made sense to me because that's just who she is. And yet, like if anybody knows charity, like the Holy Spirit is so ridiculously gracious with just the clarity of his voice. She sees angels during worship, like things that me and my infinite ability to read and study like can only dream about. I read about people seeing angels. I'm like, oh God, I would. And yet God's not angry at the fact that because of her child and all these things, she doesn't really want to read and, and pray. Like he's, he, in, in grace, he is allowing an avenue by which she can come to an understanding of how good he is and how much he loves her and how much he's here. And, and gradually she's growing in like the, like um, she told me the other day, like, I kind of want to read. Like, I don't know where to start and what, and that's, that's the point, isn't it? Like, we focus on God and we get, we keep our eyes on him and he, start, he starts to just draw us in and speak to us in the, in the ways that we have been created to receive. And gradually you will desire these things. And I mean, this is a love letter with promise after promise. There's no way you can go 30 years of Christianity without getting some of this stuff in your life. But his goal isn't like, all right, I want, you know, two hours a day. Two hours a day as a kid, like, that's ridiculous. I watch cartoons. <laughs> and, and so I just want to, like, it's a perfect example. She's a perfect example. Like, God just wants you to delight and love and walk with him. So what about me? Like, I'm trying to get away from the whole, like, in the morning every day. Like, some weeks it'll be great. Usually it's, if I worked out in the morning, like, I'll read my Bible. There's, for some reason, it's connected. It makes no sense. Um, I love going for walks. When I was just struggling with just disappointment and, and anger and, like, the relationship stuff, and, like, I just, um, I'll just start walking around the neighborhood, and I'll just talk about, like, what I'm thinking about. And, and I look like a crazy person. I'm putting my hands up, and I'm yelling, and <laughs> kicking stuff, and, like, and yet, like, it's different, right? I mean, we, we hear, like, the quiet room or the quiet place or the prayer closet, and you, think, you picture, like, on your knees in front of your bed, but, like, I'll pass out, so I walk. I love, one of my favorite things, Mandy and I will be driving around somewhere, and we pray together in the car while we're going. Like, I got to fight closing my eyes, but we, it's, it's just the, one of the ways we do it. I love finding silence. Like, I don't have, I, I used to have a uh, Subaru, um, which had an awesome engine noise, so I never uh, turned the radio on. But now I've got a Civic, which has no engine noise. And I still don't turn the music on because I love, like, the silence of it. At work, I'm thinking about this, doing that, this, blah, blah, blah. I listen to news in the morning sometimes. And it's just like there's a constant stream of media to the point where, like, I can't even hear the Holy Spirit. And so he's built into me. Some people don't like it. Some people, I mean, Aaron, my roommate, like, I can hear him before the garage goes up with his music in his car. It's just ridiculous. But that's who God has created him to be. He's worshiping in there as loud as can be. Um, some days I read one verse and sit on it and just relax and enjoy it. But other days, like, I'll, I'll read a whole bunch of verses. A couple weekends ago, and I don't say this to be awesome, but I thought it was pretty awesome. I, I had, like, a day off, and so God was like, hey, let's read the Bible. So I read, like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Like, I, all but, I read all but Acts and Revelations in, like, one day. And God, like, showed me, like, the main verses and, like, the, the reason why that book was written. And it gave me such a, like, beautiful picture of, like, the totality of the New Testament. But, like, the last week, I, besides, like, preparing for this, I, I haven't been reading the Bible. I've just been, like, 
I've been doing a lot of just soaking, sitting, worshiping, enjoying the new, um, what is that, Loft CD by Bethel. Um, some days I miss it all together, but instead of like the next day getting up in the morning, getting on my knees and saying, God, I'm a bad Christian. I didn't spend any time with you yesterday. I know that you're my husband, and so I'm supposed to spend time with you. And just like, I don't try and regain um, my sonship. Like I just wake up and go, well, I'm so excited. And, and like, I'll, I'll just pick up where we're left off. Anytime, um, I love this, Chris Valaton, he said, anytime we're doing in order to be, like we're on the wrong, wrong track. If we're doing our devotions in order to be a son or in order to uh, have peace or in order, or order to like, it's, it's just no good. Like it, a lot of these things should happen in the abundance of your heart. One of the things I always ask God um, is like, let me love you. Like show me yourself so that I want to come running to you. Like make your word interesting and, and show me promises so that when I, when I open it, I'm not like, playing eight ball and just hoping something like I shake it and hope something good comes out of it like I actually am, am engaged um, in fact there's a verse um, which says this is very very religious work out your salvation with fear and trembling most churches like pastors will preach out of that and they get you know there's a good message in there but the verse right after like I highlighted that and closed my bible and then went and like God how can I work out my salvation with fear and trembling <laughs> Will you make me tremble or am I going to tremble on my own? Like how does <laughs> And the next verse says, "For it is God who is all the while effectually working in you, creating in you both the power and the desire to do according to his will." That sounds so much better than working out my salvation with fear and trembling. It is God who is all the while effectually, like effectively, he's he's actually making progress, creating in you both the power and the desire to do according to his will. Some days I feel like I lack power. He's got power for me. Some days I feel like I lack desire, but I know that it's not because I'm a bad Christian. It's just, it's life. God is working desire into my life. I spent all of college trying to want to read the Bible. And, and, and then at some point, God just like, hey, look, it's actually not so bad. Look, look, this promise is for you, and this is hope, and this is peace. And when you feel this way, I have this to say about you, and he just covered me with the word. And suddenly it was just like, no, oh, I don't need to. So I'm not advocating, though, like, all right, well, if I don't feel like reading the Bible, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to worry about it, I'm just going to, like, find God in the way that I find God, which is, like, some people, like, we, we had a small group at one point, and Waterbury was like, how, um, how do you feel most connected with God? And a lot of people said, like, oh, when I'm outdoors. And so it's just like, well, does that mean that, like, I'm outdoors, like, I'm in it, I'm doing well, like, no, you have, you, you, you should pursue. Find your way, like, to pursue him, ask him. I, I, if there was nothing you got out of this, it would be this. Like, at some point this week, ask God, how do you connect with me? Like, how did you create me to take you in? And then how can I, like, how can I do that? I, feel, I don't fully know the best way, but one thing I do know is that there is a, like, a self-validating religious aspect to a good quiet time. Um, and anytime I start feeling like I'm checking boxes, and then I miss a box, suddenly my Christian walk feels terrible. Like, nah, that's, I'm not on the right track. In fact, I, I heard this, um, I, just to beat this concept in, I heard this, um, this testimony about a, a Christian who he had just come to know the Lord. 
And he was like, he's flipping through and God's telling him things and he's learning things and he'll read like the Beatitudes and be like, oh, that's sweet. And then he'll read like the these and the thous and the begots and all this. And he's like, eh, I'm just gonna keep moving until I find something I like and he'll just keep reading it. And he was like delighting in the word, but he, was, he had no structure. He was just reading and eating it up and taking it in. And he came to some like mature Christian who was like, well, in order to know really what's going on, you need to get like the full breath. And so you should start a like read the Bible in a year program. He's like, well, that sounds good. Like, you know, I'll do that. And he started reading it, and, he, and, and instead of reading the things that, like, he really wants to hear and, like, searching the word for the things that are pertinent, he's like, this week I'm, I'm supposed to read about, like, Moses in the desert. And I'm like, next week, and it's just, it sapped him, and he, and he found that, like, he would fall behind in his reading, and then he would feel bad, and then he would try and, like, catch up again. And it, it like, after a couple months of not being really consistent because this new program isn't really what, how God created him to be, he, he just, like, stopped reading the Bible altogether. We don't want to just constantly introduce structure for the sake of structure. The one thing I know is that the more we seek God, the more we ask him about these things, the more he reveals himself to us. And the more he reveals himself, the more... We just respond. Romanticizing God is, is just, is merely doing the small things. It's finding the way um, that you, you interact with God. One of my, my, new, my new favorite thing, my new romanticism, it, it seems, it sounds stupid, but I take picnics with God. Where I like, um, on a Sunday, I did this more when I was single, um, which, I don't know. But um, like where I'd literally take like a blanket and I'd make a sandwich and have some chips and then I have my Bible and then I'd go find like a half shady like spot that's grassy and, and I'd just sit down and, and it would just be like, all right, so this is Sunday, like I'm just going to chill. Anything you want to like, and I'll just read the Bible randomly. Um, I'm going to pass out and take a nap at some point if you're not talking enough. Like <laughs> this is how I interact. And, like, those are the greatest times. I'd, li- I'd leave, like, with a, a just feeling like God was speaking. And who takes, like, picnics with God? <laughs> but, and then, you know, one week I'm, I'm, I'm reading, and um, Mark 2.27, it says, The Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. We have this idea that, like, you know, it's the Sabbath, and so because it's the Sabbath, we should be quiet and we should sit. Um, but no, it says that the Sabbath was created for man. We literally need time to just, like, relax. Like, if every day, like, it said that God created the Sabbath and he blessed it. Like, when you, when you take this time and you just, like, relax. If you take a nap on 